This is season one of Betting On It, an eight episode series where we follow one betting industry startup on its journey to raise seed capital. Betting On It is brought to you by GeoComply, who provides fraud prevention and cybersecurity solutions that detect location fraud and help verify a user's true digital identity. Trusted by leading brands and regulators for the past 10 years, their geolocation solutions are installed on over 400 million devices and analyze over a billion transactions every month. To learn more, visit www.geocomply.com. All right. According to the abacus here on my desk, we are up to episode seven of Betting On It, which means we're only one episode away from the finale where Drew and Sawhill will pitch Bets Booster to a panel of three industry investors. But before we get there, we're about to go hard in the paint on a topic that we've yet to explore in this series, which honestly might be the most important one for a B2C mobile app in the space. That's right. We are about to talk marketing here. And to help us navigate this one, I immediately thought of one person who is my friend, James McLaughlin, a marketing veteran within the industry and founder of Sterling Mac, who are, quote, sportsbook acquisition assassin. Love it. Uh, James, I've had the good fortune of collaborating with you on some projects in the past, but has been a little while since we chatted. So first and foremost, welcome to the pod. How's everything going with you down under? Thank you, mate. Yeah, I appreciate the opportunity to come on and, and talk shop. One of my favorite subjects. You often see me on, on LinkedIn, sort of trolling out with plenty of commentary. And uh, I love the opportunity to chat with you guys, particularly with what you're trying to build and what you're going after. I've been in the game for 15 years and, and I've been consulting by myself for, with a designer actually for the last sort of nine months. But yeah, I was at Betfair for about four years where um, I worked really intimately with with similar products to yours. I'm, I think that where, where you guys are headed with your marketing and um, and some ideas and experiences that I can share, I think we'll, we'll, ha- we'll make for a good conversation. Yeah, absolutely. Well, really happy to have you here. As we've done with previous episodes, I'm going to basically hand the baton over to the guys here. We'll run through their questions and we'll have a good chat based on all of that and everything around user acquisition, which is a very complicated topic these days. Uh, so yeah, with that as the backdrop, Drew, I'll hand it over to you. Floor is yours. All right, let's jump in. First question we've got, it, or the first prompt, I suppose, more so than a question. Our product is a B2C mobile app that offers uh, essentially gamified arbitrage in various forms. What are some of the marketing musts, quote unquote, that we should be thinking about? And what user acquisition channels do you like for a product positioned like ours? Sure. So I could talk about this for a long time, but App Store and App Store optimization is my favorite channel. Um, But we might get back into that later in the conversation because I'll consume this whole podcast. But I find that to be, if you have an, uh, an app product, uh, in gaming at the moment, it's by far and away the most efficient. It's just not a, not a big time resource. Some other strategies, which I'm going to reference are, are quite time demanding, but I've seen work very well in this niche. So I think it just comes back to a, to a baseline of understanding your customer group. My expectation of the product that you guys is, is it's, it's for a, a young male, essentially, there's obviously going to be outliers. It's going to be older, older people. There's going to be some girls, but largely it's going to be guys that are either in college, finished college and kind of looking for that side hustle and that that passive income, that, that little hustle to, to just sort of add that ambitious person. They're normally co- college educated. Um, and you guys are walking through that. I, I've seen this, um, this executed really well in Australia with a couple of companies, one called bonus bank, another called bonus money odds monkey in the UK is a business. I don't know intimately well, but I know that they're really successful and kind of set up a platform around this and odds jam. Obviously you guys are partners with, you know, Alex and his team have done an incredible job sort of establishing their sort of brand in the market, really talking to the same user base, which is a sophisticated person who sees all these promotions out there and looking to sort of make money. But one thing that I sort of picked up while working hand in hand with a couple of these companies, because they provided Betfair some of the best acquisition partners. We had an affiliate model with them. 
um, which I'm sure you guys are going to explore with, with relevant parties, profit, sport trade, um, some of the crypto exchanges would be, um, appropriate as well for, for arbitrage. Um, so I think, yeah, my experience with the Betfair was these guys, as much as you, you sort of like immediately go towards a gambling user, it actually attracts that, that Mr. Money mustache, sort of a frugal person, like. At the Betfair office, it was all the accountants. They were the ones that were like really hungry to learn this technique. They're never going to gamble in their life, but if, you know, to learn about arbitrage and to, to make free money, essentially, they're the first ones that are happy to sort of put the time into learn. Cause you know, there is a learning component of this, right? Which, you know, talks to the education part of this. Uh, the strongest thing I can reference to with this user base is, I mean, I feel like they're on Reddit, they're on Twitter and they're on YouTube, right? They're, they're trying to upskill their, their financial intelligence and this side hustle mentality. And there's a guy called Shane Wang. I don't know how to pronounce his surname, but I'm certain you guys are familiar with his video. It's the most watched video in our industry on any topic that I've seen. The title is How I Got Banned from Sports Betting Using Maths, Arbitrage Betting Explained. Now, it's not a particularly well choreographed video, really good timing from Shane. It's had five and a half million views and it's only been up for probably 18 months. But that's the content and that's the platform that is really the best place to be putting your, it's education, it's side hustle, it's um, people that, are, that want to upskill themselves. So if you can follow some YouTube best practices and there's a real emptiness within our industry of people that do that, I, I'm really quite critical of the thumbnails, the titles and the SEO, the video links, the quality of content. A lot of the content in our space is very much daily tips, 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 sort of touting or daily fantasy ESPN style. And none of it's really choreographed for long form YouTube, which is why this video is so successful. So I'd be really encouraging you guys to, obviously you content creators yourselves, that's what we're doing here, but like to leverage that education in YouTube and sort of, yeah, really get started on your content schedule there of upskilling people and following best practices. One thing before I, before I let you guys talk again is, um, is with that education, like creating a blog and having, you know, really SEO friendly terms around match betting, arbitrage, sports betting, calculators and stuff. There's one term that really came up. I did a quick, um, search on AHRFs and I could see that arbitrage betting calculator would be a tool that you guys could have for free on your website, SEO the hell out of it. And you're going to be able to rank, you know, there's serious traffic for that 6,000 unique views a month for that. Arbitrage calculator itself, just the two terms gets 20,000 unique views in North America, and it's got, um, really quite low competition. So they're the things that I'll be looking at and be, be active and on all these financial forums, sort of leverage people within that community, get started on your YouTube content, uh, and with that YouTube content embedded on your blog. So you've got these materials that are just compounding over time. Let's say, thank you very much for that. I was really demonstrating your, your understanding of the space. And also, like, I appreciate how specific you were. And I think you're exactly right. Like, I remember we sat down and we were sort of brainstorming back at the beginning of this process around like who our user base is. And we came up with three. One was people who are casual towards betters, right? So anybody in the gambling space. Two was sports fans who are not yet sports betters. So anybody in the sports space. And then three was hustle bros, finance bros, right? Exactly what you're describing. And I think you called out a really good couple of points. Like you're right. There really is sort of a dearth of um, YouTube content around this. And I think that that's definitely something to focus on. I'm also curious to know a little bit more about like, you mentioned at the very beginning, app store optimization. I actually have really heard about this at all. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Is that just like... SEO, but for the app store? Essentially, yeah. Uh, and just having, 
it, it actually involves the creative component too, which is where I think businesses miss out. The app store is a place where you can upload screenshots. You can upload a video, which, which probably 80 to 90% of, of companies don't put the energy into doing that. So you've got this creative element that really pops out. You've got your rating, which is your most important characteristic. What's your user score? Everyone wants that social proof, right? Which is a, the, the average user number and also the amount of the quantity of responses you've got. Obviously, the more you've got there, the, the more pronounced you look and, and the more professional you look and sort of establishes your brand. So there's that component. And then there's all the keywords you use and the descriptive language you use, which is really important for you guys, right? Because in North America, is the term match betting? Is it arbitrage betting? Is it plus EV? Like what's the term that, that is the, that you guys can own and be synonymous in Australia? It became match betting and promo arbing was kind of um, the, the casual Australian. Of course, we've got a slang term for it, promo arbing. So I think there was different ways where you need to use the search traffic, both on Google, but absolutely in the app store. And there's some third-party tools that I love. App Tweak, App Tweak is my favorite. Um, just really clean UX. It's, it's a cheap product and you can plug it in. So I'd look at Odds Jam. I'd kind of look at the terms that they're using. And then I'd, I'd do some searches to work out how, how do we want to position our brand? Obviously, you've already named your product, but what are the complementary terms that we need to be synonymous? And then I'm going to list them repeatedly. In the long description, for example, on your app store listing, there's 4,000 characters that you can use. Most businesses shove about five or 600 in there, maybe a thousand. You need to be using every version. So you'd be using match betting, arbitrage betting, EV betting, um, betting tools, uh, bonus bets, all this language, you're just going to be populating. And obviously it's going to become a little bit keyword stuffy, but that's how you can stand out and make an impact with that stuff. But the creative stuff is, is the space that I really think is important. Like for example, I work with some, some sort of middle, middle and lower tier sports betting operators in Australia and the US. And I optimize, optimize our listing. And it's a place where, frankly, our listings look stronger than the market leaders. Like the product listing will look in terms of having this really snazzy video, some really strong creative screenshots that capture you, that have the right language and that social proof component next to it. That'll look better on the app store than Sportsbet, which is by far and away the, the market leader in Australia. So, and it's, it's sort of, it's one and done. Like there's some opportunities to sort of refresh and, and look at it seasonally. And, you know, you might go after all the NFL terms and then all the NBA terms and the MLB terms seasonally. So you can kind of look at doing stuff like that, but it's really like a, it can be a sentence to get where you just put a good, good chunk of time into getting this creative, right. Using the right language. Um, and then when it makes sense, and this would be hard for you guys, because a lot of the terms, um, will be very competitive around you know, FanDuel, DraftKings, all these companies will be bidding for any sort of industry term and competitive term, but within the micro terminology, within a, a win, being a winning better, you guys might have some ads that, um, that you compete for as well. So it's about having the best organic listing and complementing that with ads that make sense. And I find that once you put the time into refreshing that and doing a good job, it's set and forget, and you just sort of checking in on it. And it's by far and away the, the most effective and efficient acquisition channel that I've found in the industry at the moment. But it is a little bit nuanced in terms of what your industry is, like which, which part of it within sports betting you are. That, that makes perfect sense. On that note, I have sort of a likely different, but related question. So in our beta test, we had phenomenal results. We have like 50 beta testers and on average, they made about $5,000 a piece in six months. And the power users have made about 20,000. Now, this awesome. is a compelling story, right? Like the, the product is really delivering on its value proposition. So I'm curious, like as we look to launch, 
how do we turn that story into like go-to-market tactics, right? For the messaging, for the marketing, all of that. Yeah, great question. Um, obviously, you guys have already got some testimonials on the side and I'll be leveraging that as much as possible. And use the word story there too, which is really helpful. Again, with your YouTube channel and this medium right here is really effective as well, but trying to use, extract, hey, what did it, you know, what did you do differently to make that 20 grand? What were you doing beforehand? Like, oh, I was miserable. I was fucking working so hard at eight to eight doing my job and just getting no respect to work. So I was doing this on the side, made 20 grand and now I'm opening these other accounts and I've sort of unlocked, you know, if you kind of show that train strategy that you've had this positive influence and 20 grand is a big number. So also reaching out to sort of relevant PR spaces would be really good too, where you can sort of say, hey, I've used this product and look look what the results are. One way to, to really amplify that um, obviously is your YouTube channel and getting people on there. Where I think you can also maximize that um, that story and that narrative is leveraging people with other channels. And, and we'll probably get to this a little bit later with your affiliate models and different partnerships and influences. But if you can, if those power users can be someone that actually has an audience as well, like that's just magic, right? Hey, I'm a person that has a side and you see all those guys, that's such a prominent YouTube, Reddit place where you've got these people that have their own audiences. If you can take them and, that, and they're probably anti-gambling, never gambled in their life. If you can grab that person, build a personal relationship, hold their hand and show them how to do it, then you've got this amazing story that you can craft through their audience and bring them onto your platform. So yeah, use your own channels as much as you can to amplify existing power users. But if you can find people that can have the same experience and have their audience that talks to side hustles, being frugal, making money, finance bros, as, as we said before, then you've got magic and, and you're really going to drive a lot of, lot of users in it. And you're creating something that's very clickable too, right? Like I don't love using Taboola and um, I, I never consume any of the, the garbage media that's out there, but like, it's really a big story of, Hey, I made 20 grand in, in three weeks. Like that's a, that's something that you could potentially create a native um, blog post on and put some advertising behind it on Taboola and those places where they're populating on all those garbage news sites. You've actually yeah. got this really you know, it's, it's a spammy place that you don't really want your brand associated with, but it's a magical story and it works, right? You've got a product that actually does make people 20 grand without risk. So like, I really think that that's, that's an avenue to explore with story as well. So I'm curious, just as a follow-up around that, I, I very much share your concern around like the brand reputation risk there. I wonder, like one of the biggest challenges we've encountered so far with our brand is we have struggled to get people to believe that we're credible, right? Because you tell people guaranteed money. And they're immediately like, you're a scammer. <laughs> so I'm, I'm curious how you think that sort of perception would interact with like finding it in like a Tabula type place. Yeah, right. Yeah. I mean, you're always going to get that negativity, right? People, people are glass half empty, especially if you're posting stuff on Facebook or, or on Twitter, you're just going to attract people. If you put any spend behind anything gambling at all, but particularly around, hey, I've made all this money, you, you're going to attract all that negativity. And that's just part of the game. You have to absorb those. But like a way to leverage that, that credibility is obviously using other profiles. You guys are going to build that reputation over time. But the more that you can partner with people that already have a reputation of, hey, like uh, I, I have this audience that I've been crafting over three or four years and they, they what you know, watch my videos, they read my newsletter. They know that I'm like in it for the best and I'm a side hustle king. Like, and I've verified and I've used this product. Like if you can sort of by association, take someone else's reputation. I think that's how you sort of craft it until you guys have your own. That makes a ton of sense. And I think like your own YouTube channel too is going to be really good where you guys are personal. You're, you're sort of showing, 
you know, just that humanization, I think that that's the biggest thing you need to, once you demonstrate that you are articulate and a human and sort of funny and whatever else you can sort of craft as part of your personality, then it's really easy sell, I think, but it, you know, it's just going to take time. So one more follow-up on that. This is a short one, I promise. I want to keep, keep going to the rest <laughs> of the conversation too. Would you suggest a company YouTube channel or a personal YouTube channel? Cause I can sort of see pros and cons to both or both. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, I would definitely have something, something for the business. Yeah, I would start with that and you can, you can share the talent, you know, you guys can share the responsibility who's, who's shooting the video, just about having a really consistent schedule, not trying to overpromise, not trying to go too hard, too early. Just like, what can we realistically achieve being really intentional about the content you're going to create as well. And I wouldn't just start from scratch there. I'd research and there's a, there's a perfect blueprint for you guys because all of the content that pops on YouTube in this sort of domain. You know, you'd be able to find all of the, the, the most viewed stuff and you just want to replicate that with your version of it. That should be the first six months of your content schedule, but I would do it as a brand and who the person is can, can vary. It can be multiple different people, but I think people, people often sort of just resonate with that consistency and coming back to the same person, I think. Gotcha. Yeah. Makes sense. All right. We're still playing with some of our pricing and unit economics, but uh, for the context of this question, let's assume that we can offer folks a $100 CPA for any new uh, customers they bring us. Where should we start with our affiliate program given those parameters? Yeah, it's a good question. I think, first of all, I would encourage you guys to be the affiliate for other companies you're going to be setting up. We spoke about it before, but Profit Exchange, Sport Trade, anyone relevant that you can be sending traffic to, I, I think that Sportsbooks shouldn't love your product if they actually look into it. But um, I, I would think that there'd be some partnerships there because you can really get some good economics for yourself and just build a side hustle within within the business quite quickly. So I'd establish those relationships. Then on your side, on your user acquisition side, again, I'd be trying to reach out to, you know, being sensitive to brand and finding the right people. I think obviously you're not going to be going to touts or those sort of Twitter bros that are giving tips out. Booker with Trent kind of talks that recreational market. That's not your crowd, right? Your crowd is financially sort of responsible betters. It's, it's Alex from Oz Jam and all of his sort of community that you can tap into there. Potentially he can give you some stuff, um, but using, finding, identifying the same people on Twitter, TikTok, there's, there's some good people in Australia actually that tap into this and create the short form video that resonates with that market. But Reddit, TikTok, Twitter, and YouTube, just identifying those people that sort of are consistent with what you guys are trying to evoke, which is, this is a sophisticated betting strategy made for people that want to have a side hustle, um, that are sort of, I don't know, educated, risk aware. Those are the kind of people that I would set up. And that the price point that you guys have got 50 to a hundred bucks for a CPA, providing that the lifetime value is there for you guys on the other side. I think that's, that's very generous. You know, normally I think it's about $50 a CPA with sort of, depending on what we're talking about, obviously not a sports book. But on all the sort of complimentary third-party pick and shovel, I call them sort of businesses within the industry, $50 CPA, I think is quite generous. Um, and you can work with your referral program as well, which we're probably going to touch on where you're probably going to allocate the same budget, $50 for the referrer, $50 for the referee, same sort of model. I think that you guys are being generous there as long as it makes sense. And just being, very, it's very consistent, right? I feel like I'm recommending the same sort of stuff, which is, um, those channels of Reddit, YouTube, TikTok, Twitter, and, and finding people that are sophisticated. Is there any particular like starting place that you would put us towards with that? Like, I mean, obviously the exchanges for sure, but I meant like in terms of like the pick and shovel companies, um, are there any that you would recommend starting with? 
because there's a ton of them and it's kind of hard to know like where to start, you know? Yeah, it's a great question. There's, um, I'm not sure, like in terms of complementary audiences, um, I do some work with, with the guys at props.cash who have an amazing sort of acquisition model going on there. And that, that's more of a sophisticated product because you're looking at trends for player props, but it's, but it's not a competing product. That would be a user base that I'd, I'd certainly be having conversations with. You know, Jesse's the most connected man in the industry. So I'd be leveraging him to sort of have all these conversations where he can tap into any, any tool that, that you can see is, is complementary and, and not competitive with what you're doing. I would be doing that, but that's one that comes to mind. I know there's some bet tracking software that's really prominent, um, and, and doing really well to acquire users too. So I'd be looking into those softwares. Um, and, but yeah, I'm sure there's a few other products too. the outlier, EV bets, sharp app, like all those applications that aren't sports books. I'd be having those conversations, pick it, juice reel. And, and normally how I approach this, see here on, again, Jesse can do this easily is just being personal, just having a contact, having a call like this for half an hour. Hey, what are you guys doing? What's the roadmap look like? This is what we're doing. Is there any way we can add value to each other? Yeah. And the last one I'll, I'll drop to is STV is, uh, is an exchange dropping, um, in Ontario in the next couple of months, which would be a, a great partnership for you guys in the future as well. I think. As I said before, we, when I was at Betfair, it was just such a prominent, it was, it was one, of, one of our best acquisition channels. Um, you're really helping, you know, it's a very competitive landscape, particularly for exchanges, and you're really helping them and providing a lot of value by bringing liquidity on the lay side too. Um, you, you, you're really helping their ecosystem tremendously. So don't undersell yourself in those commercial negotiations. If you want to send me in, um, that, well, I'm not great at negotiating many things, but I know the value that you would bring to those exchanges. And I highly encourage you to, to be assertive with those agreements. And then also, yeah, just trying to find complementary products in the space. Let's jump into, uh, influencer marketing here, specifically, where do you see those influencers we've talked about who have their, their communities, their audiences, should we be building relationships directly with them versus using an agency who already has those relationships or like, what are the pros and cons there? Yeah, I think within our industry, um, that it's such a specialized niche and you guys are already tapped into it. You're already aware of it that I know that agencies and representation works. Like I've had a juice bar business in a, in a former life and I know that how that all works and, and the cream applied on top and, and that can work because you can find out who's good and who's not and who drives results. So sometimes it's nice to pay a vegan that space, but in our game, it's such a small niche and you, you really have your, I think you have a sense of who you want to reach out to anyway, but what I would encourage too, is just, just start small. Build a personal relationship and don't, don't overcomplicate things. Have a personal relationship and just say, Hey, what would it look like to feature in your newsletter? What would it look, look like to, to be, have a post and just kind of try to negotiate down the price and just sprinkle, sprinkle a bunch. You'd be surprised that accounts that you think are going to really move the dial for you have no impact at all. And, and the account that's got 500 followers, like 50 of them are going to sign up. So really need to just plant literally dozens of seeds and whatever works, make sure your tracking's good. Whenever's bringing the right users through, it's like, great, we're going to double down, triple down on that path. We're going to find more people that look like that. And we're not going to worry about people who look like that. And, and it's just, it's just a time allocation hey, and a budget allocation. We're going to commit to these users for the next couple of weeks. And then we're going to refine it. It's almost like a, a March madness thing where you're just kind of trying to find who the winner is at the end of the, uh, the knockout rounds. And, yeah, but there's like a diminishing returns it. on those partnerships too, right? Like you can't keep going to those guys repeatedly, repeatedly, repeatedly which is fine because you're kind of playing per use, but like, just know that and you see that drop off too. And you go, all right, well, 
we've kind of fished out this little path. Let's go somewhere else. Right. I think you uh, answered one of our other questions there preemptively, which was, uh, is it better to target influencers who have larger audiences or smaller niche ones? But it sounds like we want to kind of uh, scatter our, our eggs and not probably I try think to. So, yeah. And yeah. Pr probably the latter, if I had to choose, it'd be more the niche guys. But again, like, you know, you guys have identified three big user groups that you want to want to look into. I'm fairly confident that that fiscal sophisticated finance guy is actually going to give you the best return. But you want to plant seeds in, in all of those and just sort of see what hits. But yeah, in my experience, I've always been quite underwhelmed by these legacy accounts that have these big audiences. And you can tell that too, right? There's a bunch of tools that you can plug into now that will show how engaged an audience is. There, there's, there's a bunch of ways to do extra homework so you can sort of filter it even further. But um, yeah, know that, um, yeah, you just want to take a lot of shots and see what hits. In a slightly different vein, I'm curious to know a little bit more about like incentives around referrals. Um, so we're incentivizing our users already to refer people um, by automatically sending their referrals um, to their referral links at their sports clubs, right? So for example, if you refer me to Bets Booster, when I go sign up for DraftKings, I will be sent to your referral link right. at DraftKings. So uh -huh. if you and I get a $100 free bet or whatever it is, and so that, that already is aligning, right, users to refer other people. I'm curious, is there any other approaches that you would recommend? Like, you know, obviously we want to get our K factor up and our viral cycle time down. So what else can we do to sort of help align those incentives? Yeah, I've never like worked out the exact formula of this, you know, having virality of referrals and, and just making this thing hum so quickly, but. First of all, you have to ask, right? You have to put the metrics all in place. You need the right tracking, but you need to ask because I think that's a big thing, whether it's app store reviews or referring customers, like you need to sort of keep pushing people in front. The other example I always sort of reflect on is there's, there's a crypto newsletter that I love called The Milk Road. And I've got these really good, um, within the Beehive newsletter format, I've got these really good sharing functions, which incentivizes users across tiers. So the, you're kind of gamifying the referral system. The more people they send through, the more sort of goodness they get. So you guys might want to think about some different ways to tier that. Merch is obviously a really good one. It could be a one-on-one -on -one session with you guys would be amazing, right? That's, you know, if you refer 10 friends, you get us for one hour. You know, there's, there's different sort of experiences that you can craft within that incentive program. But again, yeah, just making sure it's part of your welcome journey and a really consistent thing that you guys are doing in your Discord and all these other channels like, hey, and champion the people that are your big power users that have the most referrals, like put them on a pedestal and say, Hey, look at this guy, look what he did. Look how many people he's brought into the game, sort of stuff like that. But yeah, you guys have a, have an awareness of how effective and helpful that is to the business. And I think where, I think where companies go wrong is they're too stingy. They'll pay like a sports book will pay $800 for a CPA, but the referral incentive is 50 bucks or a hundred bucks. Like there's, that doesn't make any sense. It's the same thing. Like you need to be a little bit more generous and the same amount of money you're going to apply as your um, acquisition across different channels, like there should be some consistency to that. So don't be stingy because you think people are dumb because they're not, right? Yeah, no, I mean, it's our intention to be quite the opposite. Like it's a matter of giving up a few bucks now, but by growing the user base, we sort of set up the past for both us and our users to make way more down the line. That's right. Um, and we had, we had one more question here, which was like about how to maximize like organic discovery in the app stores, but we already covered that already. So I think we've already like in a really short order exhausted our questions. Anything else that you think we should cover that we haven't already? 
trying to think of some extra strategies to offer you guys, but I mean, more than anything, it's just knowing that it, it takes time and the best channels for you guys are going to be the most organic ones that, that have a long tail on them. And it's, it's your YouTube, it's your blog content. Um, it's just, and I mean, uh, another quick, quick little one is just using the AI tools that are out there just to get more content up there. There's so much arbitrage content that chat GPT can probably write your whole content calendar for you. So I'd be leveraging stuff like that and just have a nice big base of content ready to go. Um, the other thing that, that is really hard to move the needle on is your domain ranking. So SEO is going to be a big one for you guys, but you want to have a domain authority. And what that means is it, you recognize why Google is a prominent website. And that's determined by the amount of links that are sent to your website. Essentially, it's the same thing that's existed for 20 years, really it hasn't evolved. So that'd be the only other thing that I'd say, Hey, when you're launching, make sure you make some news about it. Make sure all the industry publications you guys are sending a PR release to, um, you, you're doing whatever you can to, to sort of create that awareness, like between all the personal relationships you need between journalists, industry people, partnerships, affiliates, like you just really need to be personal. And those, those are just developed over time as well. Attending industry events, stuff like that's really important as well. So you guys, as long, I mean, you've been crafting it for a couple of years already, so you kind of know what you're in for, but having that mindset and just going about and having that North star that you guys are heading towards. Yeah. It's, it's just, yeah. Having that patience, I think, and just that repeated putting the effort in and i'm sure you guys are going to win and, and get a nice nice result over the coming years appreciate it thank you very much really appreciate the advice pleasure all right well i think we've covered uh, everything we wanted to touch upon today guys um so james before we let you go today you mentioned it at the beginning you're doing some good work through sterling mac now which is your consultancy but i also do want to plug the good stuff you are putting out on linkedin you've referenced a couple of case studies you've published you're doing a lot of awesome teardowns anybody in the industry should definitely be following you can you just plug kind of what you're up to there and and why people should be sort of following the content you're putting out yeah thanks mate i mean yeah it's kind of a marketing b2b strategy these days i feel like twitter was the thing that was a couple of years this is sort of a twitter threads and a lot of virality there i think that linkedin has a as a dearth, I'm going to steal your word. So here's a dearth of content out there at the moment. And I think it's changing. It's evolving quickly, but I'm, I'm trying to post every, every business day, which is hard when you're across time zones, but trying to post every business day on LinkedIn. So, um, and that, that's my goal for the year. So I've, I've set that and I've, yeah, been really impressed by the amount of conversations like this and with some really senior people in the industry that I've been able to sort of connect with and have presence with and, and try to put some time into crafting content. Sometimes it kind of takes away from me actually doing the job that I'm paid to do in consulting. And it just means some longer days than I, than I probably like, but, um, yeah, it's a, it's a really powerful B2B platform, LinkedIn, and you'll see me, uh, on there talking a bit of smack pretty much every day. So I'd love to, love to hear from you. Send me a message. Happy to take a look at your business, shoot ideas, do what we're doing here. Right on. Uh, we'll drop links to both of those in the show notes, James. But again, I uh, just really want to thank you again for joining here. You set us up beautifully for the finale episode, which is coming up next. And everybody I know will be tuning in to hear Drew and Sahil pitch to three industry investors. So look out for that. But for now, appreciate all of the actionable advice you've given us here today. Uh, and thank you, everybody, for listening. Yeah.